0: Can a business strategist with a passion for science, sales, and marketing, someone from outside the health sector initially, become a health entrepreneur? My special guest today, who recently featured on BBC's Dragon's Den, will share insights and experience, including tips on branding and marketing for health entrepreneurs. Welcome to day 62 of my 90-day challenge, where I'm sharing my personal journey back to physical and mental health, and that's pretty much the reason that's inspiring me to enter the world of health innovation and entrepreneurship. And alongside that, together with my guests, I'm highlighting the stories of entrepreneurs, perhaps like you, who had a personal experience with health, either themselves or a loved one. And that's inspiring them maybe it's inspiring you to pivot into the health space so if you do like what you see and then what you're hearing please do subscribe and let me know what you think and pose any questions you've got I'm Behrouz I'm a public health doctor here in the UK or preventive medicine physician for those of you in the states and my mission is to help you the entrepreneur to create a healthier happier world through your ventures and it all does start at home with our own health and well-being now if you're looking to launch the next health startup do check out the uh, link in the description below where I've created a free training session that walks you through how to turn. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, so you know exactly how to do the ideation and stuff. But if you're new to the health sector, there's some things you need to look out for in terms of navigating the health system anywhere in the world that you might be. And some tools and strategies within that training that help you overcome some of the challenges you'll get with either securing investment overcoming adoption issues and indeed making sure you get good product market fit so do check that out quick disclaimer uh, if we talk about any health issues today please do treat this as information or education only if you are concerned speak to your licensed doctor let's get started to the main event i'm excited about this i'm joined by karina Cunha. i hope i pronounced that right Uh, Mm -hmm. she's in (laughs) she's inventor of nosy and she's a clean air entrepreneur whose pitch, as I said, I came across recently on BBC's Dragon's Den. Karina, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Very excited about today.
0: Likewise, I remember when I got in touch with you, I felt a little starstruck. I'd just seen you on TV and then I'm reaching out to you and it was fantastic that you uh, you know, were so welcoming and and you've joined me today. So thanks for that. I'd, I'd love to hear your story because from from what I know, you are precisely that kind of entrepreneur that I was talking about uh, going from a personal experience so talk me through what led you to where you are today with Nosy.
1: Yeah of course so the reason why I created Nosy or I even became so concerned about air pollution is because when I was 28 years old um, I got a call that was really really scary I was just coming back from a trip um, in Africa to a charity where I was on top of the world. We were doing so well as my previous company and uh, the phone rings and somebody tells me that I could potentially have cervical cancer and it's cancer bonds in my family. So one of my uncles died in his early thirties from that. And I have always taken very good care of my health. I was going to the gym five times a week. um, I'm fructose intolerant, so I eat very healthy. And the one thing that I noticed that I was doing that was consistent on my everyday life is that I was taking the tube and uh, walking on very polluted roads in London. And after that call, I became very, very aware of my environment. And every time that I would take the tube, I would want to hold my breath, you know, like completely useless, you know, like you cannot hold your breath for like 20 minutes. But I just felt disgusted by the fact that I had to, in order for me to go to work, I needed to put myself through something that was actually doing so much harm to my body and besides the tube then i became aware of people that were in my team that were smoking when we were walking down the streets or the smog behind the cars and i always had this idea behind my in the back of my mind that if we have sunglasses for our eyes headphones for our ears why don't we have the same thing but in a wearable air filter form and that the early ideas that I have of nosy was initially for bad smells, but once it became about my house, about you know protecting myself from the air pollution, I really thought that I needed to do something about it because like me, so many people every day are exposing themselves without a choice. You know, like in a city like London, there is no way that you cannot take the tube um, to go to work. And then once you start learning more about it, it becomes that. Even in your car, if you're sh- stuck in traffic jams, you're going to be um, inhaling polluted air and face masks just don't work. So as you know, we became aware with the COVID pandemic is that face masks are for protection of others from viruses that you are <laughs> exhaling or potentially spitting, whatever. But uh, the main issue is that they don't create a tight seal. So if you are moving your face, etc you're not going to be able to prevent air from actually flowing in so once you actually look at the dynamics of a face mask is the equivalent of actually having a water bottle with holes and i needed to create something that actually provided some level of protection for air pollution that actually was effective
0: You know what's what's interesting first of all sorry that you had to go through that at a young age I'm sure in terms of uh, the the scare of of cancer I've had a few guests on this 90-day challenge so far and I'm only two-thirds of the way there that we talk about cancer and how that's helped them pivot into the world of innovation and entrepreneurship in the health sector and um, I like how you've tackled something that is once again, like quite a few of these topics, close to my heart. And the reason I say that briefly, Karina, is I remember back when um, I graduated from medical school, it was about 20 whatever years ago, and uh, I was starting to work and I was starting to get interested in the world of preventive medicine back then. Still didn't know what I was quite entering, and I was interested in air pollution and asthma in particular. And back then, I I was interested in looking at the ways we can adjust our lifestyle. So you talked about living a healthy lifestyle and realized that from personal experience, it's hard always to do everything you can. We don't always have every bit of control over our personal lifestyle. And even when we do, there's so many of these factors beyond our control. Now, there's various ways. Obviously, I went and did further training to learn about environmental health because I always like to nip it in the bud and get to preventing the pollution in the first place, mm-hmm. but but that's a, a never ending fight, you know that. And so I think while we are working our way to making cleaner environments, both outdoors and indoors, and we are succeeding in various parts of the world still, there's some elements of things we need to do in the meantime, just to reduce that harm until we prevent the air pollution in the first place. So I guess my question to you is, why nosy and i wonder if you've got a sample to show us how it works Mm -hmm. because what's stopping us from just wearing face not regular face masks but those that protect us too
1: yeah of course um so i also just wanted to address your previous point that i also totally agree with you that i wanted the world not to have polluted air and i wish that a product like this was not necessary the, what I really like about the product, however, is the fact that independent of what people do around you, what Nosey is doing is that is enabling you to have choice of taking control of the air that you breathe. So then you are not allowing other people to make that choice whether you're healthy or not. So for me, the fundamental fundamental thing about Nosey is actually about choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, um, how a nose sample of nosy so this is how it looks inside by the way
0: by the way karina so for those of you who are listening to the podcast uh, later don't worry go and check the link for the youtube (laughs) as well because she's demonstrating this go for it
1: of course of course um or go to www.bnosey.com so nosy looks like this inside and like this outside so What is interesting about it is that we have a magnet right here in the middle and then we have a nasal dilator with a metal clip. You're not gonna, you won't have seen that on Dragon's Den because when we actually went on TV, it was on the very early stages of the company. We were three months into building this. It was almost a year ago. So um, this is how it looks, this is how it works. You put your nasal dilator inside of your nose you make the nosy clip very flush to your nose here, and then you attach it like this. And then (laughs) the way that it works is that once you inhale, it creates a tight seal. And then when you exhale, it allows air to flow through the sides and to the top. This prevents condensation and build uh, moisture buildup. When you look at nose inside, you have these um, filters that are replaceable on the bottom. So you can be changing them on a weekly basis. And you you actually really see the collection of pollution over time as you wear them. Um, We are looking at making different scented filters and things like that uh, for you to be able to also have different effects like calming filters and uh, better smells, but this is our MVP. We are already in the process of making a bunch, uh, a few different modifications to different models as well because people's noses are all different shapes and sizes. And so the way that we actually look at nosy is really that we want it to be the equivalent of sunglasses for your nose. So different people are going to be wearing different models of nosy that are going to have specific fits that are going to be better for them but because we needed to launch uh, with one product line this is the model that we chose that works with the majority of people
0: we're gonna come on to talking about your tips uh, for health entrepreneurs like branding and marketing i just want to follow up just one or two brief Mm -hmm. questions if i can karina about nosy i'm really curious i think first of all i'm sure you've done a lot of like user design, user experience mm-hmm. kind of testing. What's been the feedback from those that you've talked to in terms of the design? Obviously, it looks futuristic in a way, doesn't it? What's your take yeah. on that?
1: Yeah, so the design was very purposeful. We didn't want to make um, a round nose because obviously <laughs> it should be a problem with clowns, etc. cetera. <laughs> right. And um, in terms of the design, one people are always, Well, so my background is uh, partially in psychology and people, whenever they see something very new, they are like, oh my God, this is so weird. But it happens that the more people actually look at nosy, the more normal it becomes. So it's really interesting to see the gradual difference between the first time you see it and then the next time that people are becoming exposed to it. Another thing that we also notice is that once you pair it with the mouse mask, which we are using for COVID, people really don't find it that different right. from a face mask. and talking about this I actually wanted to just address your previous question as well as to why you would wear nosy versus a mask yeah and it's really because of the air leakage problem it's impossible for you to create a tight seal around something that moves and the main problem about a face mask is that it's treating the mouth and the nose as two two of the same organs and they are different you know you are the main issue with masks for your nose is airborne particles. So you really need to create a tight seal, whereas with the mouse is cross-contamination. So you're really trying to create a barrier. So you don't need that tight seal around your mouse. And that m- tight seal makes the m- masks really uncomfortable. It You actually cannot create a tight seal because your face is moving. <laughs> it has different shapes and sizes. So what happens is that you have a when you're trying to create a seal around both at the same time you have a very ineffective product that is uncomfortable to wear that creates buildup and that is actually not protecting you because air flows through the path of least resistance meaning that is following the gaps rather than the filters so it's actually a really terrible design for that type of purpose
0: mm. So I'm going to, by the way, I've put the link to your website and your social media links down below. So do check that out if you're interested in learning more. Uh, I won't ask you more about Nosy right now. I'd like to just get into, um, you know, a bit more about the insights you've gained as, a, as an entrepreneur, you've got experience from before coming into the world of health, but also what you've been learning here. So I'll just ask you a few questions if I can. I mean, first of all, Let's start with Dragon's Den. If you were going to give some advice to any kind of entrepreneur, especially those in health that are considering going on the show, what would be your top uh, couple of tips?
1: I think that you need to go there with the idea that you're really doing it for PR because, Uh um, you know, what it's not really a place for you to get a good investment you know the deals are pretty much absurd like nobody the valuations that they throw around are not realistic by any means in terms of how the companies are made you're going to have very little time in the den and you're not going to be able to actually engage with the investor in a professional level where they can actually make a real assessment as to your business so from I would say that really go there to put a show to talk to create a brand for yourself but don't expect that the people that you have spoken you know in front of cameras where they are big personalities are actually going to be the people that are going to be funding your business um i would also say that it's really it's really important for for you to Uh, keep a good composure as well and even though my product you know like we didn't have anything done it was we were in the beginning of the business we it was 3D printed prototypes completely wrong materials everything was going wrong Um, I could have had a pitch that was pretty terrible if I had just lost it in the middle of the den and somehow you know I was able to just think it's about the presentation, be kind to people, be gracious. And I think that that really helped, even though the pitch wasn't going well, um, the products were not working, the dragons really respected that. So I I would say, you know, be confident, but also be gracious and really believe in your business. Um, Don't make anything up. You know, if things are not working out, just be real. And um, I think that that type of, honesty um, really comes across well on TV.
0: That's a really good point. I'm glad you shared that, uh, Karina, in terms of using it for a specific purpose. I mean, some people do really well, I'm sure. Uh, One of my friends and not friends, but former uh, colleagues and students in in the States ended up on the US version of Shark Tank and got a really, really strong uh, offer from Mark Cuban. Um, So that was interesting, but obviously it is PR. You're getting on TV. Um, And I think the advice you gave about keeping a calm composure is is great advice for anyone anywhere beyond TV too. So, okay, let's jump in now to, because you've got professional expertise in the world of branding and marketing too. So what would be your tips to entrepreneurs in the health sector? Is it any different, I would say, uh, in terms of how you approach marketing and branding, uh, which are slightly different things, but in the world of health, as opposed to other sectors, perhaps?
1: I would say that that depends on who is your target demographic uh, so if you're looking to be selling to the nhs then what i'm going to be saying right now is not going to be relevant because those are corporate buyers and they have specific metrics that they are trying to achieve but if you're doing anything that is more let's say a less regulated b2b business or that you're dealing with um, b2c as well then it's really important that you have a strong position in terms of marketing, because that's really what's going to protect your IP. I think that a lot of people put so much focus on um, <laughs> on trying to protect their intellectual property when nowadays everyone can copy it or they can make a slight difference, which is going to make a similar-ish product that they can sell. But the reason why brands that are 100-year-olds still continue is because they created a cult, a brand around it. And that's actually the strongest defense that you are ever going to have, not just in terms of um, people trying to copy your product, but also any volatility in the market, potentially, you know, people coming in with cheaper products. There is a reason why, let's say, you know, even though there are, thousands and thousands of sunglasses and aviator sunglasses, people still buy Ray-Bans. There is a reason why, you know, um, people pay a certain amount for Nikes or Adidas, even though you can buy just equally as good shoes from anyone. Um, So I do think that that investment in trying to create a brand that stands out, that people can connect with, it's quite important when you're not dealing with government organizations. And, and uh, that's a way to future-proof your company from problems that, you know, if, let's say, that you're not able to be the prices of your competition, but if you have a loyal following, um, people tend to have be less price-sensitive and will be cons- still buying your brand if you build that customer relationship.
0: I'm curious what your thoughts are on on this. You know, like, let's think of, you know, Elon Musk and his personal brand, as opposed to Tesla, Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: or uh, there's others out there that I've had conversations with in the same thing. So many of the entrepreneurs that I've come across, they don't think necessarily about their personal brand. They come in and later on, when they've done all the validation and and, a business model is ready, the investment's done, they're ready to go out to market. That's when they start thinking about marketing and I feel personally I'm not the expert here so correct me if I'm wrong I feel that's a little too late Uh, personally I think there's two ways that you should be going at it and I'd love your insights on this perhaps one aspect is to be doing the marketing even up front even before you introduce the product but as as your company or startup that's number one to raise awareness of the problem a cold audience and then you you go from there but then the personal brand of the founder and the entrepreneur there's got to be something there that you need to emphasize too don't you think
1: totally um people connect with stories not with brands so the you know when you're even looking at these famous brands you're actually personalizing those brands and that's why you get athletes to be the spokespersons of so many of these big brands because you're you know we we as humans we want to be connecting that's like inherent part of our of, of our psychology so um there is even trends that actually show this it's much, easier, it's much easier to gain followers as an influencer than as a brand online on an Instagram. And so the founder is the primary vehicle to build a brand. And so personally, I think that it's really important to be building your personal brand. And that's one of the main reasons why I put myself out there and do a lot of PR because I know that whatever I do for myself is going to translate into nosy. And um, and this feels uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, like, um, I have 300 boxes that I need to pack right now of like no issues to send to people, but I still really prioritize putting that time out there because it, it does pay dividends in the end. And the thing is that you never actually know about the opportunities that may come as well when you put yourself out there, because people may not necessarily love your product in that shape or form that it currently exists. And, it's totally normal, you know, like if you're just starting, you need to do so many iterations of it in order for it to be an amazing product. But if people actually connect with you as an individual, then they may be willing to help you along the journey. Mm-hmm. So do invest that time, clean up that Facebook, Instagram, don't, don't, don't post anything. I personally actually stay out of Twitter. I, I, I just created an account um, on the back of Dragon's Den or, or reactivated an account I never used. And to be honest, I, I decided not to really be involved with that because you don't get to express yourself coherently yeah. in platforms. And so I instead decided to do a YouTube channel where I can mm-hmm. actually put long-form content where it's not going to be misconstrued. Yeah. And so... I do think that you need to also pick your battles as to what type of personal brand you create and how you craft it. So you need to be quite tactical about it as well.
0: Yeah I I agree with you entirely Karina and I think you've got to choose your you know when you're when you're in the early stages perhaps choose the the medium uh, that you want to go on whether it's YouTube and video generally or whether it's text and written words in like an article or a blog or indeed a podcast which is just audio and clubhouse so mm-hmm. I think go where your strength is and and often I, I was struggling with this I'll be honest when I started the entrepreneur's doctor I wasn't used to I love teaching I love being with students but that's in a closed secure environment and when they told us cameras are going to be on recording you it made me think and then God help me for getting onto YouTube and and speaking out here. So initially I started just writing some articles and I thought, this isn't me. I like to get my personality out there, which is just a boring personality, but I love to speak with people like you. And I think that's where we start learning insights, where we bring people like you who are in the trenches, literally, uh, and, and getting these insights. So if you're listening or watching to this and want to come and have a conversation with me, I'd love to welcome you on here. So do reach out to me. Karina, back to you in terms of, um, uh, it's just going beyond marketing now and branding, because to me, that also helps with gaining investment. Um, mm-hmm. So do you have any tips on that? You mentioned Dragons Den perhaps not, more of a branding thing and a marketing thing as opposed to a um source of investment necessarily so what what there's various sources that we could be thinking about but how do you consider those as an as a health entrepreneur a new health entrepreneur
1: one of the great things about health is that there are a lot of grants available you know so the health is quite a challenging area to be in because you need I would say anything that has a hardware focus that is not just pure software is actually quite challenging. They say that hardware is, it has the word hard on it for a reason. Um, and when I say hardware, I mean any physical product. It's its much more, it's like 10 times harder than anything with software because what it means, what happens is that you cannot really sell your product until you're ready, it's ready. And once it's ready, um, It takes quite a lot of money to get there and with houses specifically there is quite a lot of testing involved certifications etc so that makes it really challenging because there is a lot of high barriers to entry that if you're just creating an app online you could you know put the app up in three days show some traction and as long as the numbers are growing you can get some investment that way not the case with the things that I'm actually interested in, which is frustrating, but that also means that um, there are quite a lot of government programs and other organizations that are trying to help uh, bridge that gap in innovation in that space. For example, Innovate UK has the smart grants. Last year, we also had a COVID grant. There are other grants like Eye for an Eye, And a number of partnerships that you can do with the NHS, um, with, for example, Horizon, which is another granting organization. So this is something I personally only started exploring um, recently because I wasn't as well informed about this. But if you're a health entrepreneur, if I could do things differently, I probably would have actually applied for a grant before I started my company because I bootstrapped quite a lot of it myself. But I... But you can apply to so many of these grants with just an idea and going to a university, partnering with academics and having them help guide your project and acquiring some of these grants can be an amazing way for you to start and not necessarily need to have so many of the problems that I already have had.
0: you're getting a tough skin now you you know all these battle scars and i'm just curious <laughs> <laughs> coming back to um you can your choice if you want to uh relate this to nosy or just generally your experience but curious how you would take um and it depends on what the product is what the market mm-hmm. what the problem is that you're solving but what are the considerations when it comes to something like Nosy in terms of then choosing your business model? Do you go direct to the cons- customer, you know, the B2C? or how, how are you thinking about that?
1: Yeah, so for me, with Nosy, it needed to have an element of B2C. And that, that's one, because I'm interested in it. Um, I, I really like to understand how people are reacting to what we are doing. Because I think that when you're just doing B2B, there is a bit of a disconnect because obviously you have an agent in the the way of, even if you're doing B2B2C. So I, I like to do, even if it is a small part of the business as a B2C, because it's a way for you to get a finger, you know, a pulse on what is happening. It's also a way for you to really craft that branding and that experience, which besides, being important for data i do also enjoy that that part of the business um b2b is an amazing way for you to get a lot of revenue you know like one of some of the deals that we have on the table for b2b are pretty much the whole size of our B2C for the year. So I I do think that with a lot of products, if you can land B2B is quite important, but I like to have a mix of both because what it means is that if you have a little bit of B2C, you are controlling that by obviously putting more money towards marketing, et cetera. So you can actually be pulling the levers yourself. And then you're not necessarily as dependent on B2B because B2B does have longer time frames as to when they close because the um the higher the amount of decision makers in the process, the longer the deal is going to take. So whenever I structure a sales funnel, I like to have a mix of different type of leads and deal sizes. Because obviously it's great to have huge deals on your pipeline, but they are so lengthy to close and sometimes they may fall through that it's important to also have what's called um, velocity of sales and with b2c you're able to have a much faster velocity of sales so when you're structuring your your product you need to understand what's your price point what's your velocity of sales and in that way really start building a funnel that takes those two measures in account. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really helpful. And I know you do give this kind of advice to uh, anyone who's interested in this. So do check out uh, Karina's details in the description below. She offers you tips on all of this in terms of taking you. I mean, feel free. Do you want to tell us a bit more about how you help uh, entrepreneurs beyond Nosy?
1: Yeah, of course. So I have a consulting company called Meta Strategy, where I help entrepreneurs understand the strategy of the strategy. Um, <laughs> and... In that way, you know, I I help advise as to how you should be really structuring your company, because a lot of times people are, they, I find that it's really difficult for you to actually get correct information. Um, There is so much metrics and numbers that are put out by incubators, accelerators, VCs, or blogs without enough context. And one of the things that I wish that I had known when I was starting is that whatever you read about Silicon Valley, about company X, it's a completely different world and you need to really customize that information to what fits your business, that there is no actual formula that you can just like follow the ingredients and it's going to be applicable to you. And so, And that's why I try to help entrepreneurs really think about things logically and in the most efficient way for their specific business. And it has been, you know, like an amazing journey because throughout the time that I have been working with Nosey, I'm also taking what I have learned from previous companies. I was a consultant and investment banker. I already worked with another startup and being able to distill that information for them as well as also bring the things that I'm learning on a day to day. Um, and I started just doing a YouTube channel as well with some of that content. So if you follow also the link on the description, you're going to see that content. And yeah, um, it's really a passion of mine, you know, to make this type of information more accessible because the way that it currently is, um, it's not well done for somebody that is trying to execute. It's, it's, it's theoretical, you know, it almost feels like the information that you get is like a classroom, it's, you know, like it, it's something that you would be able to write on a test. But once you actually try to implement it, if you try to follow what we are posting online, I mean, <laughs> how do you do it on the day to day?
0: Right. I asked this well, not exact same question, but I did have a, a an episode with a VC, actually an investor, and uh, I asked him what his take on various things were, and he said, "Many of us, as investors in VC land, anyway, uh, we're not on the ground as entrepreneurs, so we don't see everything that entrepreneurs see, and we're not the best advisors in that respect. But obviously, those who are angel investors, they've you know they've got their own battle scars and, and wounds, and they yeah,
1: sometimes sometimes." some some are good some are not i do think that with any advice it you need to really look at tailoring it to your business because it's very easy to give advice um, about something and when you are just starting a business you feel you feel like you don't know so much that you want to hold on into to whatever advice you got because you feel like that piece of information is valid. So that's going to be, you know, my stronghold. I'm going to, to go with that. But in reality, it's really not because that person knows so much less about your business. And you also don't know much about your business because it's gonna be completely different in six months. So being able to adapt and I think more about the context is something that I really think is missing nowadays.
0: I wanna back to you with any final words, uh, Karina. I I really appreciate the time that you've given, but if I may, I'll combine that with just my final question to you as well. Um, You've obviously delved into an area that quite a lot of us are thinking about now in terms of air quality environmental health as especially during the pandemic people are now more aware of air quality and how we can design buildings and infrastructure better uh, look at sources of air pollution better and you've got more and more startups going into the clean tech uh, arena as well so i'm just curious whether you know now that you're in this space beyond nosy uh, perhaps as part of the same startup, but just generally taking a step back as a, as a spectator, as an observer right now, as an entrepreneur, where do you feel are the, either the opportunities or areas of unmet need when it comes to entrepreneurship in the clean air, air quality space?
1: Mm, that's quite interesting. So we have our own plans for Nosey. Uh, sure, you don't want to share the, all
0: of those?
1: <laughs> some of the things that we're looking to do. But I do think that air quality, especially indoors, is something that we're not looking into a lot and the amount of pollutants that we inhale just from being around a fire or cooking or even cleaning products is something that nobody's talking about at the moment. But I think in 10, 20 years is going to be making headlines the same way that we're talking about outdoor pollution. And... Uh, we need, we need to find ways of being more effective at filtering air or breaking down these components. When I just started looking at building OZ, the technology that we use is similar to that of a home air purifier. And I did quite a lot of research trying to find ways to actually break down the components themselves rather than just trapping them with filters. And right now there is very limited technology as to how you can be breaking down these molecules um, in a small environment. So I do think, so I would love to have other entrepreneurs focusing on that area. And if you're doing that already, do give me a shout, would love to collaborate.
0: (laughs) I love it. Karina, look, I really appreciate it. I just want to finish with my final words on on this topic for for you, but also for, for our friends watching, listening. Um, You know, when it comes to what we breathe in, in the air around us, it really depends on several factors. Um, So you may have come across, and I spoke about this on one of my recent episodes, about the bacteria in our gut and how they determine our health. And indeed, it's the balance, right, between the good and the bad bacteria, what we call the microbiome. And the benefits of what's inside our environment, internal environment, is that we need a diverse set of Bugs to help our immune system become better at performing what they do. Same thing goes to what we breathe. There is diversity in terms of microbes in the environment from mold, fungi, bacteria, uh, indeed, all sorts of things, uh, you know, pollen and, and all sorts of other aspects. And we often usually put this um, perspective of everything is a harmful thing and we need to just block off uh, everything that's going in. But actually, There is evidence in terms of uh, what we're exposed to in our early years, especially those in rural settings, you know, living on a farm, having pets. And so long as you're not allergic to them, these are protective for the development of our respiratory and lung system growing up. So it's about having a balance. And the reason I say that is whenever you're thinking about launching a startup uh, as an entrepreneur, do check out what the literature says and especially what the unknowns are in this field because the last thing you want to do is cause harm and I'm not saying this by the way I love what you're doing with nosy so this is not about you this is just general take on, right. on people so when you're thinking about filters it's about what do you filter out because air pollution is not all the same do you want to let some things in do you want to remove it at times to allow the other thing so it's education and I think one leaving or parting thing that I would love to to share it's a, not just about how much dose you're getting Uh, in terms of air pollutants but what is it that you're filtering out Uh, and perhaps one next step would be could you match nosy with sensors um or some sort of smart technologies that tell you what you're breathing in? i'll pause there and if you've got any questions. we're doing (laughs) oh there you are excellent excellent Uh, oh
1: yeah so if there are any investors here we are looking for funding for that part of development
0: oh one day one day I will invest uh, financially in people like you but for now my investment is my my expertise and time so if there's anything I can do afterwards I'll be glad to and indeed for anyone watching and listening look you've been a star Karina I do wish you the best Uh, you're really paving the way for a completely new product as you said it's the new sunglasses but for the nose and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, thought on how this gets developed further and the opportunities there so keep going Uh, don't forget Mm -hmm. there are opportunities with pharma sector because there's more and more research going on Mm -hmm. with Though you know using nanoparticles as medication and perhaps I don't know I'll pause there. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll we'll carry on this conversation I think offline. But uh, we'll see you all again tomorrow. Where tomorrow my special guest is actually a very good friend of mine from Atlanta uh, in, in Georgia, the U.S. And we're going to be talking about real estate and investing in healthy real estate in particular. So do join me tomorrow. Karina, thank you. And thank you too. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Take care.
1: Thank you. Bye. Learn more at the Entrepreneur's Doctor. www.entrepreneurs.doctor Better health starts here.